0: in your belief system slide around a bit? Have you ever caught yourself re-examining some belief that may date back a few years, whatever, that was just lying somewhere on a shelf in your mind and all of a sudden it popped up and you found yourself saying, well, that can't be true, ever Well, even my use of the word re-examining might be too strong for some things that we may have been told by an accepted authority figure might never have been examined in the first place, just uh, blindly received. Nevertheless, I would imagine that by virtue of your being here in a new thought church, specifically unity, the array of beliefs that have become your truth, are always somewhat fluid, at least I hope they are. For within humankind, even, such is evidenced by the eventual acceptance that it really isn't the Earth that is the center of our solar system, and the Earth itself, indeed, is not flat but round. But then then personally, and depending, of course, on where you first consciously consciously plugged into thinking about things of the Spirit. I'm sure that your God idea has morphed somewhat from what was once into your present moment. Such is the journey, isn't it? What has been included in this process? Probably the way you view prayer, and certainly a new vision into self-responsibility, and then on into many areas of belief that some might even classify as they look at what you really believe as as heresy. And if you ever call that, wear that badge proudly. And as we view all the myriad systems of belief in the world, we recognize that there are many paths into the understanding of the greater Self, the greater good that we each are, and we give each freedom to do and be as they are led, even as we claim that same freedom for ourselves. Everyone can be right as long as another's rightness does not attempt to make me wrong in my process. My journey, while always within unity, new thought, arena of things, has been somewhat wider than most. While in my family we never used the word as such, Uh, my father was very psychically uh, in tune with with things and eventually he received direct voice from a variety of non-physical beings. Always teaching, always unfolding never self aggrandizement, aggra- 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 a- but simply a, a, teach- a t- teaching t- of that which is beyond self. Now obviously this brand of normalcy uh, within my life wasn't the norm of every child within Unity or New Thought churches. It wasn't a prerequisite. Yet as I see my path, this prepared me for things I progressively explored over the years. From an organization years ago called the Summit Lighthouse to the I am Saint Germain people, to Course in Miracles, uh, to the way of the mastery material, the way of the heart, and the ease of which Abraham's message now speaks to me of empowerment. Weird for some, but quite normal for me. I say this because today I am continually morphing my belief system. And even from not that long ago, in a different space, perhaps, of where I thought I was coming from, and then that grew into something different. So as within our ongoing synoptic study of unity's beliefs, we come to the subject of sin, salvation, and I'm throwing in karma today just for good measure. Should I have had this same subject 10 or 20 years ago, which I did, I would speak to it now with similarities, but certainly with differences. The bottom line to today's sharing would be, sin, there isn't any. Salvation, you don't need it. And karma, not even in the picture. This is a no-fault universe. I realize this flies squarely in the face of traditional religious belief thinkers who want to totally control what another believes and what they think and even some new thought thinkers who often, like everyone else, are a mixed bag of many, many, many things. Sin, salvation, and for that matter, karma, are oftentimes used as marketing tools or tools of control. And in my sharing today, and listen to what I'm saying, in my sharing today, they all have come about by and through the very understandable process of man attempting to make sense of everything as seen through his own fears, and then establish that uh, list of what beliefs should be believed, and then try to impose that upon others. So where did these early pronouncements that have served as the underpinning for all subsequent writings come from? We really don't know for certain. We don't know who wrote the Pentateuch. I started this morning to say Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then I caught myself. That isn't the Pentateuch, friends. How about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy? That's the Pentateuch within the Jewish tradition. First five books of the Old Testament. Are you there this morning, by the way? I'm not hearing anything so far from you. All right, all right. All right, you're there, excellent. But when we look at the Pentateuch, We can say, I think without error, because of when it was written, that it wasn't Moses who wrote them. Even some of the writings of Paul are in question as to the authorship thereof. And it is a given that Jesus didn't write anything that we know of. Some would claim a dictation perhaps that was behind the Course in in Miracles or the way of the mastery material. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. So what do we have today? A very convoluted document that has been altered over and over and over again. That if, as some would say, is the unquestionably, the uh, literal word of God speaks at the worst to a very schizophrenic deity and at the best one with multiple personalities. Take your choice. Throw the Bible out? Of course not. But read it with wisdom. Seek to learn the idioms which are replete within its pages and adopt a clearinghouse understanding of the nature of God through which you pass everything that you read. If it isn't reflective of understanding love, then it probably isn't valid for your life today. Then remember, you also have access to the very same energy that the best of the biblical writers or elsewhere have ever written from, bad English. And when we get tuned in, tapped in, and turned on to this same energy, it is always relevant for us today, for there is only now. You cannot really successfully live from what was applicable to someone 4,000, 2,000, or 10 years ago, only for you and your now, right now. An analogy I heard the other day that was so interesting. It said, if you have a map, let's say it was a very special map that was created by somebody in the, uh, in the 1500s, and it was meaningful to you, and you took that map And went to some place today and said, how do I get to this place over there? Would they look at the map? And they say, there's no freeways here. There's no roads. There's nothing that I can make relevant to where you want to go and to where you want to be. And if we understand that the Bible is sort of like that. And you have access to your own input from what is now applicable in your life then the Bible can serve as a launching pad as you and I go more inward. The workings of things from a cosmic perspective, I think are rather straightforward if we would know it. They take on the appearance of being complex because man has a real challenge in understanding the infinite through finite thinking and understanding and jazzes up the story because it sells more to people who have convinced themselves that drama is a prerequisite to how life works. And drama almost always includes a kind of secret underpinning belief that such things as the need to beseech an outside God somewhere and evil are integral to everything as well. Here here is my vision about the planet Earth and our journey. And it is one void of all vestments, all hierarchies, all scriptures. See, life is as old as eternity and the oomph behind it is what we have called God, Allah, the great spirit, source energy, divine mind, creator, Odin, and a multitude of other names. Its playground is infinity, time and space without end and forever. It always has been, always will be. Its energy is life and is that out of which then, individualized forms of life coalesces or extends. Here we are primarily familiar with what we call physicality or three-dimensional things, but as we reach out to encompass the cosmos and beyond, a beyond that stretches out forever, and then add to that other dimensions and frequencies of expression that would also be confined only within the concept of forever, we realize that we are not alone. Why is this happening? It is how the universe expands. For each manifestation or what I call coalesced or precipitated energy is that very energy reaching out to segments of forever within which to explore, to dream, to envision, to desire, The next plateaus of the never expanding universe and this is why you and i are in these physical bodies this very physical planet earth bumping around with other physical bodies and doing what we do and there are others some are bundles of energy without physical form as we know it to be and others are in different forms and sizes we are not alone and each is held lovingly within the energy that knows only itself. Here, evolution commingles with creation. For as unique life is birthed from source energy, its continuum on the timeline of forever continues to expand. And through its expansion, the universe itself expands. Through the universe expanding, source energy itself expands. Why? Don't know specifically and I have more questions that tumble around in me than answers. But the literal explanation of creation from within any previously written document that serves as scripture for someone is based on a depiction of an anthropomorphic god outside of the result rather than an extension of the very essence of source itself integral within the result and this for me has never been a plausible point of understanding so other than participation within the expanding universe why are we here well let's have two choices this morning pain or joy all in favor of pain there really isn't any other choice not really You might say we're here for growth, but that's a given within life as it expands. You see, the universe is either benevolent or it is malevolent. And if malevolent, then all of the other words that go along with it, then cruel, sadistic, and brutal. It can't be. So we're left with joy. Does this mean that there are not sad or unhappy things occurring in the world? The country that was once Burma doesn't think so, neither does central China or the lower Midwest of our own country. But these things are not orchestrated by God as we think to be a conscious act because of displeasure and because though there are no accidents, luck or chance uh, that are present because the law of attraction, the law of consciousness operates only on individual levels, but it operates on group levels as well. The United States has a consciousness, the world has a consciousness, and groups within. As we know that, we further understand that no one is ever in the wrong place at the wrong time, but always in their right and perfect place within their concept of how their journey within this moment of energy should unfold. And through the vibratory, signature that we always offer to the universe. And that's ever-changing, isn't it? Because it's based on our expectation, it's based on what we believe at the moment, it's based on what we are calling truth at the moment, it's based on the whole thing that we have as our expectation, uh, the self-talk that we are using over and over again, and that which we are offering to the universe to be replicated, so to speak. It's ever-changing. We get to play, then, However, we choose to play the game of life, and those who want to play with us will be attracted through the law of consciousness. That's why everyone is in your life right now. You said on an inner level, let's play together. And they showed up, and you showed up for them. Uh, So that's the process. It's the law of attraction. Those who want to play war, well, they gather over here and play war. And because there isn't any death, no one or no thing is ever diminished. Those who want to play uh, alleged perpetrator or perceived victim, well, gather over here and play your game. Those who want to truly be consciously aware of themselves as source energy and expression and demonstrate the kingdom of abundance and wellness, gather here and let's play together our game. So we agreed. Let's come out forth into physicality and play together. And through our adventures, we will know more clearly what we don't want and hence what we do want. Some, then, who are remembering how the law of attraction works will use these contrasts to only briefly give energy to what they don't want and begin to reach for energies that surround now what they do want to have, do, and be in their life the wellness, the prosperity, the harmony, the peace that they truly want to do, be, and have. You can tell a person who is in this frame of reference. They never stir around in what is. They never continue to have organ recitals or pity party recitals. They just simply are always in that optimistic, positive expression of what they know is in process because they know who they are. So. We can never get it wrong because we never get it done. We are eternal. But how does this interface with sin, salvation, and karma? I felt the need this morning to build a foundation prior to speaking to today's subject in in a specific way because without this broader picture, we would have to build upon a God idea when we speak of sin, sickness, rather uh, uh, karma, and uh, what is the other subject we're talking about regardless? When we speak to these things, we would be basing it upon a God idea that never existed, and yet has ever, is ever seeking to exist within the belief systems of many who yet have a God outside of them and must offer supplicational prayers. When we make the transition, because we reemerge into the vibratory expression of our higher self, some would call it soul, there are no regrets, there are no angers, there are no hatreds, now only an extension of pure perception and understanding of our previous activity within a human experience that caused preferences to be born and through our preferences and desires caused the very universe to expand. And hence, there is no karma because we have never done anything wrong. Remember, we never get it done. We are eternal. Karma, as it is normally understood, is the process that as we again enter into physicality through the process of reincarnation, it brings us again and again and again into conditions where we reap what we have sown and where we are now wearing the other shoe, so to speak, presumably so we will eventually learn not to do something or another ever again. If we cause pain, we will receive pain. If we were intolerant, We will receive intolerance and so forth. You know, that would spell out a pretty vengeful universe, wouldn't it? And while it appears to help some explain away crappy things in their life, the only thing we ever bring with us into a new body is an eagerness to participate in the experience of life and a knowledge that I can move through each and every experience wherein I find myself and I can grow a greater greater, greater. I can be a part of the joy. Remember, all thought, every thought that anyone has ever thought, it yet exists. So yes, we could go back and through a process, stir around in previous encounters we have had within physical life and stir around in the Queen of Egypt and the king of Siam and anything else that we can dream up that we were, and we can reactivate these energies in the now. But why do that? That isn't a very nice thing to do to the now, to bring what was once, and chances are, you find that you have done and said and been absolutely everything that ever could have ever been. And yet, to bring that into the now isn't that which is too helpful. Granted, this initial energy is often diluted or adulterated as we come into life by the understandable process of buying into those around us who have forgotten who and what they are in the grand scheme of things. But we're all capable of, again, consciously re-identifying ourselves with God or source and through this focus to be in the active process of creating our own reality the way we want it to be. So what about sin or salvation? It all depends, I guess, on how we would define sin. If an offense to God, as this is generally accepted by a definition, then because it is impossible for an extension of source energy to offend itself, it could not be. Do you realize in this moment we have diffused all the marketing tools of the traditional church? We have taken it away. it falls flat if we relegate sin perhaps to an oops and a recognition of something that didn't work in our never-ending adventure of life and that we don't want to repeat it, then it serves us well. You mean, you might say, we're free to do anything without, with, 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 with impunity? Not actually, because thoughts held and then become part of our vibratory signature that through the law of attraction always brings back after their kind into our life, then we do have a result and a cause. But it isn't anything outside of us that is making a pronouncement upon us and causing bad things to happen. It's like a cartoon I saw of someone talking to the gatekeeper at heaven, hearing the words, Oh my, no, that isn't a sin either. You must have worried yourself to death salvation? You've never been lost. I actually spent some time and I googled sin and then I googled salvation. And after a short time of reading what I call the hierarchical gibberish, I closed it down and I felt a rush of thankfulness and appreciation for unity and new thought in my life. If you want to keep the word salvation as a part of your vocabulary, then then give it a nude meaning. Let it be the process That is identified by your truly accepting that you are source energy and physical expression here on the leading edge of the expanding universe. See, knowing that is your salvation. Are you a sinner? Probably you've made a few mistakes that you will choose not to repeat. But in a classical religious sense, of course not. You are the very essence of the extension of that which is God or source energy itself. Salvation in the classical religious sense of needing to be purged from something you or another did in order to be acceptable before God? Of course not. Living under the weight of karmic debt? Again, the only debt you and I ever have is choosing to not live in the now and know who and what we truly are. We have an addendum for you today, a gift at the end of the service that we will offer. It is called karma begone. It will be sprayed upon you. Directions. Spray liberally in front of you and step forward into the mist, leaving your bad karma behind. Repeat as needed. Caution. Karma begone will not work if you don't change your thoughts, words and actions that created your bad karma in the first place. Satisfaction guaranteed or double your problems back. (laughs) Bless you.